Welcome to Jam Sessions 2020, the fourth episode in a series of 42 sessions chronicling the process of therapy. The highlights, the themes, the words, the process, issues, the triumphs, and the stories. Yours and mine. I want to thank you for listening, and I want to thank you for your comments. I want to thank you for the ideas or questions that you're sending to me, which I appreciate. When you say, can you address this or that, um, I will answer, absolutely, yes. I will go back and research to find content from my practice over the 42 years to address and, uh, and, and come back to you. Uh, also, J.A. Murray Consultants, with an S, is plural. I was never on my own, although my practice was private, so to speak. And so later on in the sessions, I will be inviting some greats, um, some guests, my go-to people, my experts, my network to contribute to the podcast as well. And I, I really look forward to that. And I hope you will too. Today's theme coming into therapy is tears. Do I have to cry to be better? I I, I can't stop crying. What do my tears mean? I've tried and tried to cry. I know it's in there, but the tears just don't come. I feel like I should be crying. Do you remember your parents saying, you want to cry? I'll give you something to cry about. Oh, I can turn on tears like a tap. Tears come really easy to me. And in fact, I can play tears really well. I'm crying like a baby all the time. One minute I think I'm feeling fine and normal, and the next moment I dissolve into tears. What is that about? Having a meltdown is just not my style. And if I do cry, what will happen after I cry? And when will I stop crying once I start? I, I, I don't really like the idea of tears. I felt so much joy, I wept. I feel so much pain, I'm weeping. I felt release after the tears and it just poured out of me. I was weeping, I was doubled over. I was racked with emotional pain. Every time I hear that song, I start to sing it, but then it brings tears to my eyes. Every time. That song is my trigger. I cry every time, and it reminds me of tears, weeping. You never know what may cause them. The sight of an ocean, the sight of an incredible sunset, the beauty of nature, 
a piece of music, recognizing someone or something from a distance that you haven't seen in a while. Almost any movie. Movies are a great opportunity in the dark to let your feelings and the tears flow. Tears over sweet victory from those very first little steps to finishing a marathon, perhaps. Tears over weddings, tears over funerals, tears over moments in life and death. Oh, the sting of tears over, over loss. Wow. You can be, never be sure where the tears are coming from in any given moment. But children, their very first cry are tears at birth. Men, women, children, everyone over time sheds tears. You can be sure of this. Whenever you find tears in your eyes, especially unexpected or what I call surprise tears, you need to pay close attention. Pause. Breathe. Let them flow. Tears are not only telling you something about the secret of who you are, but more often than not, you are being spoken to. This is the mystery of tears. They are speaking for you. Some aspect of where you're coming from is calling out to you in the space that you're in when the tears come. Try to stay in that space. Tears, especially the surprise tears, are summoning you to where you may need to go next. Your depth of feeling may actually be ahead of where you're actually able to express. So there's no continuum on tears. And right now, for right now in 2020, in these unprecedented times of grief and loss as a result of this uncontrollable virus, I wanna suggest that we um, give ourselves permission to let the tears flow. People are not holding back. And while self-isolating, we can shed tears freely and no one is necessarily going to see, especially behind closed doors. I'm gonna admit that I stopped watching the news because I kept crying. There were, I was shedding tears over people's stories I didn't even know. And then I got to the point where I just really couldn't watch. For, for, as a therapist, I'm going to say that over the years, I've cried buckets of tears over the lives and stories of the people I've served. I've cried in frustration, wanting to, um, wanting so much for a person to get to the bottom of what's bothering them, holding them in check or holding them, holding them back. I've cried sorrow for it, whatever the issue is, with a client and for a client. And sometimes my welling up with tears in a session facilitates or moves the person to tears as well, which was most of the time a good thing. 
Having said that, I've had clients literally stare at me because they can't figure out why I'm crying over them. Why are you crying? I ought to be the one crying. It's because I'm moved by your story. I'm moved to tears literally in my gut. And I hope you will be able to access that depth in yourself. I cry because I want so much for the person in front of me to touch down really deep into the wells of their being, to be free, to feel what comes after the tears. As a therapist, I just want to say, I do not judge tears as progress. Tears are an indication. They're an influencer. And as a young therapist, I will admit, I actually tried to make people cry because I thought it would make them better. But then I realized tears were way beyond my control. Tears were the nudge of the divine with us, with me, honoring the origin of whatever. So the tears in therapy are real, they are authentic, and they must be honored as something very, very special. Until next time, thanks for listening. Welcome to Jam Sessions 2020, the fourth episode in a series of 42 sessions chronicling the process of therapy, the highlights, the themes, the words, the process, issues, the triumphs, and the stories, yours and mine. I want to thank you for listening, and I want to thank you for your comments. I want to thank you for the ideas or questions that you're sending to me, which I appreciate. When you say, can you address this or that, Um, I will answer, absolutely, yes. I will go back and research to find content from my practice over the 42 years to address and and come back to you. Uh, Also, J.A. Murray Consultants, with an S, is plural. I was never on my own, although my practice was private, so to speak. And so later on in the sessions, I will be inviting some greats, um, some guests, my go-to people, my experts, my network to contribute to the podcast as well. And I, I really look forward to that. And I hope you will too. Today's theme coming into therapy is tears. Do I have to cry to be better? I can't stop crying. What do my tears mean? I've tried and tried to cry. I know it's in there, but the tears just don't come. I feel like I should be crying. Do you remember your parents saying, you wanna cry? I'll give you something to cry about. Oh. 
I can turn on tears like a tap. Tears come really easy to me. And in fact, I can play tears really well. I'm crying like a baby all the time. One minute I think I'm feeling fine and normal, and the next moment I dissolve into tears. What is that about? Having a meltdown is just not my style. And if I do cry, what will happen after I cry? And when will I stop crying once I start? I, I, I don't really like the idea of tears. I felt so much joy, I wept. I feel so much pain, I'm weeping. I felt release after the tears and it just poured out of me. I was weeping, I was doubled over. I was racked with emotional pain. Every time I hear that song, I start to sing it, but then it brings tears to my eyes. Every time. That song is my trigger. I cry every time and it reminds me of tears, weeping. You never know what may cause them. The sight of an ocean, the sight of an incredible sunset, the beauty of nature, a piece of music, recognizing someone or something from a distance that you haven't seen in a while. Almost any movie. Movies are a great opportunity in the dark to let your feelings and the tears flow. Tears over sweet victory from those very first little steps to finishing a marathon, perhaps. Tears over weddings, tears over funerals, tears over moments in life and death. Oh, the sting of tears over, over loss. Wow. You can be, never be sure where the tears are coming from in any given moment. But children, their very first cry are tears at birth. Men, women, children, everyone over time sheds tears. You can be sure of this. Whenever you find tears in your eyes, especially unexpected or what I call surprise tears, you need to pay close attention. Pause. Breathe. Let them flow. Tears are not only telling you something about the secret of who you are, but more often than not, you are being spoken to. This is the mystery of tears. They are speaking for you. Some aspect of where you're coming from is calling out to you in the space that you're in when the tears come. Try to stay in that space. Tears, especially the surprise tears, 
are summoning you to where you may need to go next. Your depth of feeling may actually be ahead of where you're actually able to express. So there's no continuum on tears. And right now, for right now in 2020, in these unprecedented times of grief and loss as a result of this uncontrollable virus, I wanna suggest that we um, give ourselves permission to let the tears flow. People are not holding back. And while self-isolating, we can shed tears freely and no one is necessarily going to see, especially behind closed doors. I'm gonna admit that I stopped watching the news because I kept crying. There were, I was shedding tears over people's stories I didn't even know. And then I got to the point where I just really couldn't watch. For, for, as a therapist, I'm going to say that over the years, I've cried buckets of tears over the lives and stories of the people I've served. I've cried in frustration, wanting to, um, wanting so much for a person to get to the bottom of what's bothering them, holding them in check or holding them, holding them back. I've cried sorrow for it, whatever the issue is, with a client and for a client. And sometimes my welling up with tears in a session facilitates or moves the person to tears as well, which was most of the time a good thing. (laughs) Having said that, I've had clients literally stare at me because they can't figure out why I'm crying over them. Why are you crying? I ought to be the one crying. It's because I'm moved by your story. I'm moved to tears literally in my gut. And I hope you will be able to access that depth in yourself. I cry because I want so much for the person in front of me to touch down really deep into the wells of their being, to be free, to feel what comes after the tears. As a therapist, I just want to say, I do not judge tears as progress. Tears are an indication. They're an influencer. And as a young therapist, I will admit, I actually tried to make people cry because I thought it would make them better. But then I realized tears were way beyond my control. Tears were the nudge of the divine with us, with me, honoring the origin of whatever. So the tears in therapy are real, they are authentic, and they must be honored as something very, very special. Until next time, thanks for listening. Hello, and welcome to Jam Sessions 2020. This is your host of the podcast, Jane Ann Murray, president of J.A. Murray Consultants. 
Why 2020? Well, we are living in unprecedented times, but it's been 42 years this coming June since I officially saw my first client as a marriage and family therapist. In honor of that work and the work of thousands whose lives I've been a part of, I accepted a challenge to share my story. More importantly, your stories of pain, of reconciliation, reconstruction, restoration, rejuvenation, though are, those are hugely big words to describe our lives. Wow, it's amazing to think about you and all the ways that my story unfolded as a therapist, as your stories and those stories of all of those I've served have integrated into my life over 42 years. If we've worked together, I appreciate you so much. You've shaped and changed my life and my world, and I thank you. Whether it's been recent or a while back, let's stay connected as our stories have unfolded over time and continue to grow stronger. For the next 42 podcasts, I can't believe I'm going to do this, but over 42 podcasts leading up to uh, that anniversary, um, I'm going to <clears throat> share words, interventions, themes, uh, a word that addresses all of our stories for the day. And as I reflect on my work in therapy, the two most important questions or the two most frequent questions I get uh, from people seeking my help is, I guess you've seen, it's more of a comment, I guess you've seen everything, wouldn't you say? <clears throat> and the second is, what's your success rate? To the first, and that's before hearing their stories, I might add, I usually say, no, I really have not seen it all because everybody continues to change and grow and modify their own lives, whether they get help or not. So I don't ever think I've seen everything. And secondly, in answer to the success question, from the bottom of my heart, I believe that people who do personal development and personal work will in fact be successful in their own right, just for the fact of making the necessary adjustments and changes uh, to their lives, wherever they're coming from. So all of the stories and themes that will be shared are with permission. Of course, the names, there will be no names, situations and severity have been altered to meet a broader uh, audience and to help us focus. <clears throat> and there's something in this podcast for everyone. So what's with the jam sessions? Well, firstly, it's my initials. Jane Ann Murray. But more importantly, back a number of years ago, one of my Marketing Whiz clients said to me, I don't like to think of myself of being in therapy. There's a stigma to it. And 42 years later, there still is a stigma to it. I don't like the idea of doing the work of therapy. I would like to enjoy this time in my life, even though I have problems. If your office could just be a studio, a safe place where 
I could map or wrap my life. Wrap wasn't even in at that time. But if I could just map or wrap and then you could zap <laughs> my life. Um, hey, I'm, I'm a guitar player. Um, I could truthfully say on the way out the door from my office, I'm just going to my weekly jam session. Can we make my life be music to the ears of many? Jam sessions. I'm having my weekly jam session. I kind of like that. So I'm honoring my client by naming this podcast Jam Sessions. And the 2020 part, well, that's as a result of accepting a challenge in my life uh, to keep going, that there's Welcome to Jam Sessions 2020, episode 5 out of 42, celebrating my 42 years as a marriage and family therapist. This is your host, Jane Ann Murray, president of J. Murray Consultants. It just so happens that this weekend, as I'm recording, is Mother's Day weekend. So today's podcast is dedicated to my mother and is entitled, My Mother, Myself. I'm going to say right up front that I'm probably going to lose it while I do this because my mother means a lot to me. And so I apologize if there might be a few pauses and uh, just bear with me. 2020, what can I say? It's Mother's Day weekend and we are social distancing while the COVID virus uh, continues to ravish through seniors' homes, especially in Ontario, where I am. My mother turned 92 on April 29th. Uh, We could not celebrate with her or be with her to to honor that milestone. Um, It had been up until Tuesday, 54 days since I had seen her. My smart, witty, smiling, full of music mother, my beautiful redhead uh, in those days, athletic, active, enthusiastic, and sometimes critical mom, is now bedridden, can't feel, is really quite paralyzed and ravished with dementia. My mom has always been my best friend. My mom is and has always been a great woman of faith, one of the most model woman believers I know, a model of prayer every day, a model of devotion to her Lord and Savior Jesus. She was a model churchgoer, a model volunteer, mentoring women along the way. She is a total model of friendship. My mom knows how to be a friend and knows how to come alongside of her friends in past who were suffering or afflicted and sorrowful. Wow, she has lived, actually my mother has outlived most of her close friends. My mom held my secrets and those of many 
She is the model confidant. Hmm. My mom is a model of fun, of humor, of laughter, and a life well lived. I have so many crazy memories of her goofy and klutzy side, like when she walked to school uh, wearing two different shoes, carrying the garbage bag instead of her school bag. I'm sure I got my klutzy side from her, honestly. She was always telling me to watch out. And when I don't have someone telling me to watch out, I tend to do a klutzy thing. But in later years, we were the ones telling her to watch out. Now I talk to her really close up to her ear and still in the present tense because she still remains all of these things to me. She's an accomplished recipient many times over of the best teacher award. My mom actually is a really hard act to follow. Whatever she would do, she did accomplished and she never quit. She worked with the census a number of years ago in order to, actually while she was on maternity leave, so I would have been little, so that she could buy a piano. But it had to be a specific piano from the Heinzman Company on Young Street in downtown Toronto. She played daily upon receipt of that piano and was so proud of it. She played hymns and songs and spiritual songs and she learned to play a little bit by ear with with her encouragement I I took piano lessons myself and I loved music and as a result of her influence I played the piano the flute and later the saxophone which she thought was hysterical actually one of my greatest achievements as a young person was playing a duo piano in grade 10 piano a concert of Mozart's Ina Klein and Nock music in Heinzmann Hall. And to this day, I think that that was so telling that it had to be a Heinzmann piano and that however many years later, I would play a concert in Heinzmann Hall. Speaking of, of piano, at my grade three piano recital of Rondo in C, I was dressed to the nines in a dress that my mother had chosen. I totally flubbed it. I totally pulled a blank and I walked off the stage. I went back to my seat beside my mom and sat down with great shame. She quietly leaned, quietly, excuse me, leaned over and said to me, you know that piece, it's in you. You've practiced, you know it, and you'll live to regret the day if you don't play it through to the end. Actually, my flubbing my piece caused the next two kids in line, who were all about eight years old, also to forget their pieces. So at intermission, I asked if I could play it again. And the MC of the evening said, why, of course, yes, absolutely. I will never forget that night. Yes, I received a standing ovation for playing it perfectly. But it was my mom's words about not living with regret that spurred me on. And to this day, I can honestly say I do not have any regrets about choices I made. And I try to complete what I've started. My mom is sacrificial 
for us. And she sacrificed very a, a lot for herself so that we could go to summer camps, so that I could go on a girl guide trip to Mexico. And later, she topped up my savings so I could afford and attend my grade, uh, at that time it was grade 13 graduate, school, graduate trip to Italy. I actually stood over a counter in a jewelry store and got my ears pierced so that I could come back wearing a pair of earrings from Italy as a souvenir. My mother, myself. I look at my mom now. We have the same hands. We have the same crooked finger on our second finger, pointer finger. We have the same wrinkles on the same sides of, or both sides of our faces. We have the same thyroid condition. Mine is much more severe than hers, but passed on through four women generations before me. My great-grandmother, my grandmother, my mom, and me. What a legacy. We look alike. I know what I'm going to look like at her age, but honestly, I do not want to live to her age. My mom is now racked with arthritis, and there are only a few things that I would not want to imitate about her. My mother, myself. When the book, My Mother, Myself, which was published in 1977 by Nancy Friday, arrived on the bestseller list, I was in graduate school, just finishing my first year of my master's. The book, written at the beginning of the the, uh, feminist movement, gave women permission to challenge their lineage, their relationship to their mothers, their relationship to other women, their sexuality, to challenge men and their place in the workplace and in society. I had what I thought was a great relationship with my mother, and I was quite rattled by the fact that there was an eruption of so much anger around this primal relationship between mother and daughter. But by the time I was seeing clients in 1978, mother, or the mother-daughter relationship, was one of the most frequently presented problems. Clients would say, I love my mother. Why do we always have to disagree? While my mom and I did argue, she usually had the last word, and that probably is the reason why I like to have the last word. Whether it's right or not, I learned that from her, quite honestly, I might add. Every time someone says, you are just like your mother, I cringe. And when a husband says to a wife in therapy, oh yeah, okay, you're now sounding like your mother, I cringe. But on the contrary, I've been hearing that phrase for as long as I can remember, that you're so much like your mother. And from mother and daughter dresses, looks, expressions, I I actually thought it was a positive, not a negative. Another client has said, I I I promised myself I'd be different when I had a daughter of my own. But I'm finding myself saying the same things, doing the same things, exactly the way my mother would have done it. I can't even understand it. It's not like I've planned it. It's just happening. Over the years, as a therapist, 
I've listened to countless stories of that most enduring tie from which our future takes shape and our sexual lives are born. The secrets, actually, I must confess that my mother's dementia is a blessing because she can't repeat my secrets. But yes, there were secrets. Yes, there were lies. Yes, there were defenses. Cover-ups of the truth? Yes, absolutely. Generational patterns um, that were too strict and too tight to let go of, to modify or eradicate? Absolutely, yes. Wishful thinking? Yes. Could they, as mothers, been different? Maybe. But not likely. In family systems, as we journey back three and four generations, looking and deciphering why things are the way they are, we sometimes, um, no matter how well-intentioned a mother might have been, she may wear a family legacy or have carried a family legacy, which she, it, it, which she would not even necessarily know about, into her own motherhood and then on to her daughter. Interestingly enough, in almost 100% of the cases I saw, whether, where there was opportunity for a mother and daughter to come together, to work together, the mom at some point would inevitably turn to her daughter, put her head down, shed some tears, look up and plead, please believe me, I did the absolute best I could. There's a lot you don't know and may not want to know. And if you choose differently, I may not like it, but go ahead, make your choices. Sometimes a mom doesn't even know what she's apologizing for. And in some instances, she'll apologize, but admit that she's still kind of in the dark, but she just wants the relationship to be right. And then there would be a huge sigh of relief, as if the load had been lifted from her my mother, myself. My mother, myself, shows how all passages of women's lives, of all of the passages, no matter what stage of life we're in, that we can change childhood patterns produced by a mother-daughter bond. We can become independent, we can become interdependent, and we can become the women we deserve to be if we're willing to do the work. Every woman is a daughter. Whether you're 15 or 65, just starting a personal development journey to find insight, strength, your better or even your shadow self or a new self, you will at some point encounter your roots. My mother, myself. Jokingly, we're always saying to my mother that she should have been a doctor. And actually, she really wanted to be a doctor. Um, She could diagnose anything. And friends often came to her saying this or that. 
is what are the symptoms and she would pretty accurately diagnose it once when we asked her what she wanted as a gift she wanted the the most recent medical diagnosis journal and psychology is the dsm whatever number it is now but back then it was a medical journal and while she sat in the evening marking papers as a teacher eating her potato chips with a pepsi she would always be on call it makes sense that my mom wanted me to be a doctor or a nurse or a teacher i actually applied to medical school two times and flunked out of nursing after just a few days as i couldn't understand one word the chemistry prof was saying and knew that i should count my losses early i landed in a completely and on a completely different path in psychology theology counseling and religious studies which was absolutely life changing for me and now 42 later 42 years later i'm still um it's still my what what my soul loves to do um i have actually been a teacher at the college level at times but my goal has always been to help make sense of others stories help people make choices that they can live with in congruence with integrity and with love my mom knows how to love though she can't speak now those eyes oh my gosh those eyes those windows to her soul still speak love in spite of our differences that we've lived with along the way my mom held my secrets with love my mom challenged my truths with love my mom bailed me out of situations with love and my mom has loved my dad since age 14 when he left for the navy prior to world war 2 Sheila is a redhead whose hair is wavy she's in love with Jack who just left for the navy was the little caption written about her in the Parkdale Collegiate Yearbook. My mom and dad um have had an incredible love story. 70 years this July 8th, a number that I can't even really fathom and a commitment that boggles my brain still. If she lives to that to see that anniversary on July 8th and if she were able to celebrate She would give her famous toast which she does to every family function while holding her glass of prosecco. The toast goes like this. Here's to your future, forgetting the past. We love and remember and hope to the last for all the lies the almanac told. When there's love in your heart, you'll never grow old. Once again, as I record these segments, I keep thinking I would be remiss if I didn't say this. If you've stumbled on this podcast, uh looking for help or need to need help making a choice about getting help or need to repair a relationship or need to tell your story for the first time, I'm here for you. I can be reached very easily with a quick email to jamconsults@gmail.com. put jam sessions 2020 in the in the subject line my mother myself i love you mom
and I'm who I am today because of your influence. My mother...